Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're the mom the maid the keeper of the cookies you do it all and you look good doing it it's parenthood on a mother level here's your host denise hanitka Hey everybody, I'm Denise Sinitka and you are listening to episode 90 of On a Mother Level and this is such a good one. It's an emotional episode, I'm not going to lie about that, but there's so much happiness throughout it that it's a good kind of cry episode. So I'm so glad you're here to listen to it. My guest today is Alyssa. Alyssa is the mother of a daughter named Collins. She and her husband adopted Collins two years ago, over two years ago now, and they're hoping to expand their family again through adoption. They're making some changes to the adoption process, mainly going private as opposed to using an agency, and you're going to hear about her decision-making process on that. But in order to do that, she has to put herself out there and introduce herself and her family as a potential family for someone, an expectant mother out there who is looking to start her own adoption journey. And so Alyssa talks a lot about positive adoption language, the right way to talk about adoption and to the parents of um, adopted children. And I was so surprised to learn, and perhaps I shouldn't be surprised, about the resources that are available to expectant mothers and the agencies that make that a priority. And for some reason, when you think about adoption, sometimes you only think about the family um, that's adding a family member as opposed to a woman who is so brave and so strong as to choose adoption as the best course of action for her child. And so I learned a lot in this episode. As you hear me tell Alyssa, I knew about adoption because of watching Teen Mom, um, which maybe was your first introduction to adoption, or from watching Friends, you know, when Monica and Chandler try to adopt. And so it's interesting when you have an idea about what it is, and then you can ask some questions to someone who knows a little bit more about it and has seen um, what a beautiful process it can be, and also that there are some things to look out for. There's some sadness in there, and there's some pain, and so Alyssa talks about all of it, and she is incredibly honest and genuine, and I loved this conversation and hearing about how Collins has added so much to their lives 
um, both as parents and by expanding their family in some unexpected ways. I'm going to be tagging Alyssa on all of my posts on Instagram. So follow along at On A Mother Level if you want to connect with Alyssa, read more about their journey, or if you know someone who may be looking for a potential family match. So here we go. I started by talking to Alyssa a little bit about the Olympics and um, our kids and gymnastics. And that's where we will begin with this episode, episode 90 of On a Mother Level. So, all right, you just gave me a great place to start. So um, your daughter is into gymnastics. Does that mean she is watching the Olympics? Well, we really haven't had a ton of time to watch the Olympics. We try not to turn the TV on too much because otherwise it's like, this is what I want to watch and (laughs) I don't want to watch what you want to watch. So we haven't watched a ton of the Olympics and I am like a total person who's, I love to have a surprise ending. So I hate that you get to see everything before. And so I just can't watch it if I already know what happened. (laughs) No lie. I just posted about that on Instagram because here's the thing. It's not like I'm trying to watch the Super Bowl two days later where you had the chance to watch it and you declined, you know, like you, you, you chose not to watch it with the rest of the world. I can't watch it any other time. And then the spoilers are in every single Instagram post. Oh yeah. You can't avoid them. So it's so irritating to me because it's like, I'm not, I'm not choosing to skip the original airing. There was no airing. Like we've got to come up with a better system. It's 2021. Can we all just agree to wait until at least primetime comes on? I want it to be 1998 just for a little while. (laughs) Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. Well, we've been watching the Olympics at home because my four-year-old Abe, he, we went to Hy-Vee last weekend and he saw this big cardboard cutout of Simone Biles. And he says, her is so beautiful. Why is her here? And I don't want him to ever stop. Why is her here? And I said, she's a gymnast and she's going to be on the Olympics and we can watch her do her gymnastics on TV. And he says, we've got to watch her on TV. And I said, okay, we absolutely will. So we've been, we've been watching it at night because it comes on at like a perfect, like pre-bedtime time. And every time she comes on the screen, he goes, that's our girl. Mama, that's our girl. (laughs) So then I was like heartbroken when she had to, to step aside and he's like, why is her putting on her jacket? I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> it's I too upsetting. Know. That is, oh, <laughs> what a sweet boy though. He really is sweet. And then last night it was the men who were on. And so I was like, look, you can watch the boys. And he did not care about the men's gymnastics. I'm like, see, nobody cares about this. He's like, I only want the girls. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't like to watch the men either. Yeah, it's it's just not as exciting. It might be the booty pants that bothers me. And then I just, I don't know, like the the twirling on the pommel horse. I'm like, all right, been there, done that. I saw it. I don't know. Right. So girls all the way. (laughs) Oh. Funny who. Olympics talk. We'll be done with that now. Um, okay, so so Collins is two. Yes. Besides gymnastics, what else is she into? 
right now she's into like play-doh coloring she's got like a little kitchen in our basement and so she likes to go down and cook you know all that kind of stuff it's funny because she like loved to be outside before but now that it's been so hot lately she'll just be like I want to play inside you're like me too I know okay let's go (laughs) but yeah she really likes you know how two-year-olds are like I'm gonna like this for 15 minutes at the most. And then I'm going to like something else. Yeah. You just got to go with it. Yeah. Totally just have so to we go do like a hundred different things a day, but it's all good. <laughs> do you work full time? Does she go to a little daycare? Like what, what are her days mostly like in your days? Yeah. So my job are both my husband and I are physical therapists. Um, and so our jobs are actually really flexible. I'm actually a point eight. I work three really long days. So I work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, like two 11 hour days and a 10 hour day. And then I'm off on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I'm home with her on Tuesday and Thursday. And my husband has to work every day, but he works a couple long days. So he takes a half day on Wednesday and a half day on Friday. So he's home with her those two half days. And then like between my parents and his parents, they cover the rest of it. So so we really have a nice, yeah, we really have a nice system. What a great system. I do think that the, like the couple of long days beats five short days. It's amazing. Well, today I'm normally off and I'm off tomorrow because we're, you know, here at my parents. And, um, so I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just so I could like get all my patients in and everything. And oh boy, I haven't done that in a long time, but I was like, this is hard. Like, don't I get a day off in here somewhere? Yeah. Three (laughs) long days in a row isn't quite the same as every other day. Right, right. So you and Jordan met when you were in grad school for physical therapy together? We did. Okay. So I saw that you described it as an unplanned relationship. I thought that was a funny way to phrase it. Yes, it was. I mean, I was like totally driven in the sense of I did not want like a relationship. I was like, I'm going to do this PT school. Like I was pretty focused on like grades and everything like that. And so, um, you know, I kind of had to fight him off for a really long time, (laughs) almost until I couldn't anymore. Um, and so, yeah. And whenever you say that to him, he'll be like, well, let's see how that ended up. Right. Like it doesn't matter now. Got the girl. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So what do you think it was about him that, um, I mean, obviously he was persistent, but like, what do you think made you give in eventually? Oh, you know, even from the beginning, like Jordan is just like, he is like so easygoing and just like fun loving, like funny. He's just a, a very easy person to get along with. I mean, honestly, like he's one of those people who like everyone wants him to be everywhere because they just love his personality all the time. And so that's just it. Like he just has a great great personality and I just couldn't fight it off any longer. (laughs) (laughs) Are you in the same boat as me where like, if people had to choose between you or your husband going to something, they would pick him. Cause that's that's my life. They would pick him all the time. Yeah. It's kind of depressing, but then I'm like, well, I guess it's worse being in his shoes where people don't want me there. (laughs) I literally say that all the time. Like if he has to go somewhere and like, I can't go, I'm like, it doesn't matter. They only care if Jordan's there anyway. (laughs) It's true. I mean, it's just a cross we have to bear, you know, I'll do it, whatever. (laughs) So how long were you guys together before you guys got married? 
Oh, we were probably together for like three years before we got engaged. And then we were only engaged for like nine months before we got married. So, you know, almost four years or something like that. Okay. So how long have you guys been married? We've been married for a little over five years. We got married in March of 2016. Okay. So So how did you guys decide that you were ready to start a family? You know, I think it was just kind of like, we just had talked about it. And I think, I don't know, right? Like you just kind of were like, yeah, we're both ready now. Like, and so then, right. Like you just think like, okay, it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. And so, and especially like, I mean, my mom had like always told me like, you know, you just like have to be smart, you know, like as you're growing up and your parents are like talking to you about like being smart and safe and all that stuff. And she was like, it's like really easy for us to get pregnant. Like your grandma got pregnant really easy. Like I got pregnant really easy. Like you just have to be careful. So I was sure that it would be like one month. Like, yep, we got it (laughs) like Mm -hmm. done deal. And then it was like, you know, like month after month after month. And I don't know from the beginning, I just, you you just feel like you have some type of intuition, like something isn't right. And so very early on, even like, I didn't even say anything to him. Like I just started looking into other options because I'm a total planner. Like I didn't want to like get to a point and be like, okay, now what are our options? I wanted to be like, we're at that point. I already know what my options are. This is what I kind of want to do. Um, but part of it's a time thing, right? Like with infertility, before you see a physician, you have to wait like a year. I called probably like three months before that year time to schedule the appointment because I was like, all right, I'm going to be ready for this. And so then we kind of met, um, we went to the like university of Iowa clinic that's in the quad cities and they do a really great job there. Um, and you know, you kind of go and you get everything checked out. Um, and then we kind of learned that we definitely could have a biological child, but it would be like a one in a million chance, basically. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that meant that like IUI was out of the question. IVF was a possibility. Um, and then obviously like adoption, And so we just, I mean, for our own personal reasons, never really felt comfortable, like with the whole IVF route. Sure. Um, And by this point, like my husband and I had been kind of talking about that leading up to the appointment. Like, what do you want to do? Like, if they say this, like, what are we going to do? We ultimately decided to pursue adoption. And then, you know, when you go that route, then there's, you know, way more to learn about even. Yeah. So what was it like to, I guess, have your, your fears confirmed, like that this was going to be harder than you expected? Honestly, like it was kind of a relief to have an answer almost because you had felt like, okay, I don't know. I kind of knew like if it was going to happen, it would have happened, but I figured something had to be not right. Not that that's always the case with everyone, but I don't know, again, just like that intuition. That's just like a feeling that I had. And so it was kind of nice to finally like have the ball back in our court and say, okay, we're the decision makers now. Like we get to decide what we do next. I like to be in the know. So it was just, it was good to just know what was going on. Yeah. You'd done a little bit of research, but what did you discover was truly the first step here? 
Yeah. So with adoption, it's kind of, there are so many different routes, right? Like, I mean, pretty much you could do like um, an agency adoption um, and go through an agency. You could do a private adoption um, and kind of lead the search yourself, or you could do like foster to adopt. Those are kind of the three main routes. And then you just have to decide what the best route is for yourself. So when we were deciding, like we had no idea. And so we knew that we wanted to pursue agency adoption. We knew that we needed the help and the support of an agency to do this because obviously we hadn't done it before. We didn't know anyone personally who had done it before. Um, so that's kind of was our next step was then researching agencies and trying to decide, okay, now what agency is best for us? And I mean, I would have just like a list of questions that I would pretty much ask these different agencies. Um, and then we ultimately decided on the agency that we ended up going with. Yeah. Was there any sort of um, secret or wisdom knowing what you know now to picking the right agency? Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of things involved with that. Like, obviously, like number one, you have to look at like your moral ethical compass we wanted to make sure that we were working with an agency that was doing things the right way. Like the agency that we picked just, I mean, there are so many things, but as a couple examples, like, you know, they had a social worker, not only for us, but for, you know, this expectant mother as well. And they made sure that they gave her care and like, you know, these expectant mothers could get scholarships if they wanted. And they had tons of support you know, you'd ask them kind of like, how are you finding out about these? Like, cause there can be like, co like with anything, there can be bad things, you know, there can be coercion in adoption. Like, okay, we're going to pay you a lot of money for your baby, you know, that kind of stuff. And so you wanted to make sure that that, I don't know, I never wanted it to be a case where somewhere down the line, like, um, like my future child's biological parents were like, somebody forced me to do this and I didn't feel good about it because I wouldn't feel good about that then, you know, and I'm sure like, you know, your child wouldn't feel good about that then. I would never want someday for Collins to be like, oh, you just did this like shady thing to like bring me home and you didn't even care about my birth mom or my birth family. You know, you just wanted a kid. And that's kind of the thing that always like, just, I don't know, kept us like on the right path is like always thinking about the future. Like, how would I explain this to her? Am I going to be embarrassed? Like, am I going to be ashamed? Like, is it something that I'm going to try to hide from her? Or is it something that I'm proud of? And that's really what we want is we want this whole thing to be something that we're proud of. You talked about the services that would be available to the mother in the yeah. situation, you know, and, and that's just incredibly selfless too, because whether or not she is or is not in the child's life, ultimately, you know, it's like you want to sleep well at night knowing that she is cared for. Yeah. Like before we were even like in our situation, you don't really understand until, you know, this woman that you've been for us, like communicating with via email, via text message, FaceTime, right? And then she's in front of you and she hands you her baby and you're like, oh my God. I mean, it's something that changes your life. And it's like, 
you know, the most selfless, loving thing I've ever been a part of. And you, that you're like, how could I have ever thought that I wouldn't care for her? You know, like you're, it's just, it's impossible. Like <laughs> once you're there, it's, you see this person in front of you and you're just, you're so happy for yourself, but you're heartbroken for them. And I think that was just like the craziest thing. And that's when I just like, you know, realized that, you know, adoption is so much more than like just creating your family or like, you know, bringing a baby home, you know, it's, it's much bigger than that. And so I don't know, I think we just always want to do right by everyone who's involved, you know, not just Collins, you know, her birth mom, you know, her birth family, um, us, it's, it's all so important. Well, let me, you know, and I want to get into that day, but, but I want to pause because, um, you had at least one match that ultimately did not work out. So, so I guess, take me from choosing the agency then to, um, to that match and, and what that process was like. Yeah. So ultimately like one of the reasons why we chose the agency that we went with is because they did have, um, a little bit of a financial security. If you were to have like, they either call them like failed adoptions or like a disruption. So if I use either one of those phrases, um, they like will help kind of guarantee your funds. So they're a little bit more expensive upfront, but you know that like, if you have a match with an expectant mother um, and you're paying fees to lawyers, um, to social workers, um, you're paying, you know, fees for her to, you know, have an apartment, you know, cost of living, that kind of stuff that it's just not all lost because that is the case in some adoptions. Like, people can lose thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, we chose this agency and then you have to do a lot of stuff. (laughs) So like there's creating like a profile and like you had, we had to create a video and, you know, we had to meet with our social worker and have education and all this stuff before we could even be ready to be like a family that's chosen. And so once we were to that point, it was like probably July And, you know, every month they would tell you like, how many expectant mothers did your profile go out to? So you're like, you know, you're getting out there, but you know, you don't, you don't really hear anything. And it was in like the middle of November, we had our first like call about a match and we were so excited. I mean, it's like, we were so excited, hard not to be just like, all of a sudden, like planning and getting ready. And this baby was um, supposed to be due like late January, early February. So it was like a short time frame too. And we had been in communication with this expectant mom and ultimately, you know, for private reasons, just, you know, to protect her and whatever, it just didn't work out. And so obviously that was heartbreaking but we just were like, okay, we're, we knew this was a possibility. Um, the agency told us that there's like 20, 25% like chance of a failed adoption. Okay. And so we thought, you know, you think you go through all this infertility stuff, (laughs) waiting all this time. Like you're like, that's not going to happen to us. Like that's not going to happen. We've already had our fair share of things. (laughs) Well, it happened to us. And so we're like, okay, we're going to keep going. (laughs) And so we kept going. And then a couple months later in March, 
we were matched with Colin's um, birth mom at that time. And so from there, then Collins was due in April. So it was a really fast time then, but obviously like it was different. You know, we were a little bit more guarded. Obviously, anytime you go through something, we were naive, you know, we got our hopes up right away and not that you shouldn't be happy and you shouldn't be excited, but I think we probably could have done better to guard our hearts a little bit because, you know, I think it's important for both sides. You know, you talk a lot about how this expectant mother is feeling. And obviously I have no idea like what any birth mom has ever gone through. I, I can get a sense cause I was there, you know, but, but I don't know. And so, you know, a lot of times we talk about being sensitive to that, but like we also like had to think about ourselves too, you know? Um, and so part of that was like grieving and recovering and then just knowing next time, like we were going to be smarter about it. We were going to be excited, but we were also going to not like totally have our hearts crushed if something happened. Is it normal or expected that there would be, you know, maybe like a month or a two months notice just based on decision-making and yeah, our the agency that we used really liked to have like shorter matches. They they wouldn't like say, "Oh, you're due in 5 months. Sorry, we're not going to help you." They wouldn't right. do that. But they like to provide a lot of like counseling and services um to these expectant moms, you know, to make sure that they're ready to make this decision because ultimately like you know, an expectant mom doesn't want to change her mind when you're right there either. And so, you know, it's important that she's ready or as ready as she possibly can be to make that decision. There are some situations that I think, you know, birth moms, expectant moms wait until the last minute and they call those stork drops. Like all of a sudden you get a call and a baby is born and you have to head wherever to, you know, go meet this baby and this mom. And so there could be any amount of time, really. Yeah. At some point, did you have to decide to pursue either open or closed? Or was that going to depend on the mother herself or, you know, my terminology if needed? No, no, that's that's a good question. So when you sign on with an agency and like when you're doing all those like preliminary things before you can be ready to be chosen, you fill out a lot of preferences. Um, And this is, you know, an important thing for people to consider who are adopting and it can come off sounding, I don't know, kind of bad, but I don't, I don't want it to sound like that at all because everyone knows what type of parent they're capable of being. So you have to consider that as well. So you look at like drug abuse and you say like, I'm okay with, you know, this drug or that drug or I'm okay if they do this or that, or I'm okay with this in their medical history. Um, And then that's the same thing, preferences versus type of adoption, open or closed or semi-open. And so we made those decisions before, and we basically said that we were open to, you know, anything. Obviously we would like to have an open adoption or a semi-open adoption, um, but they pretty much assured us that closed adoptions really rarely happen um, nowadays. Interesting. Okay. Because a closed adoption, like is really like a legal thing, like where the birth certificate, this is all sealed. Like you wouldn't know identities or anything like that. So most often 
if you don't have like an open, open adoption, usually it's semi-open because they know who you are, you know who they are. And so um, usually it's more semi-open, but you could make those preferences. You just might never match if you really want a closed adoption. So, so there's degrees of openness, you know, whether it's, you know, being actively involved in the child's life to just more keeping that paperwork available. Pictures, letters, text messaging. Yeah. There's just a whole range. And the biggest thing that they always told us us is that most people say that they want to be semi-open and then that relationship kind of blossoms into whatever it's going to be. And some, you know, expectant moms and families together might choose that, you know, this isn't good for both of us. And so, you know, we're here, I'll send you pictures, um, but we need to keep our distance. And some relationships are much more involved than that. And so, you know, you kind of have to find what's right for you. And I, I think that usually happens for most people. So knowing that you were trying to be a little more guarded the second time around and trying to, um, you know, keep, keep yourselves protected the second time around, how did you get ready for Collins? And when did it start feeling like this is going to happen? It's really interesting. And again, it's like one of those like intuition things, obviously in adoption, like you don't know until, you know, (laughs) you know, um, but as I was talking to Colin's birth mom, like over time, it was just a much different relationship than the first time around. And not that the first time was a bad relationship at all. It was just much different. And we FaceTimed and we texted and we talked often and she was so open with me and would just like, she would just share like some of the kindest things like saying, anything that an adoptive parent would want to hear about how she felt like, you know, she was carrying this baby for us. And that like, you know, all of these things that made her confident in her decision. And she was sharing that with us, which made us feel more confident, even though we were still guarded, but it's always nice to hear that kind of stuff because you are kind of, again, putting your heart out on the line. And so, you know, by that point, we had already had a room ready. And so we didn't know if Collins was a boy or a girl and her birth mom um, was, she's just, you know, she's one of my favorite people in the world. She feels she's family to me, you know, and she said, you know, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. She's like, if you want to do like a gender reveal on like FaceTime. She's like, we can do that. She's like, or we can wait. She's like, I want to do whatever you guys want to do. And we're like, well, you know, we've made it this far. Like, let's just wait. And so, yeah, to like, she gave us that option. And so, you know, all those things together gave us more hope and we packed our bags and we just thought, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen and we'll be fine no matter what. So you had to go out of state. You don't have to get into, you know, the specifics of it, but, but it was like, there was a lot of arrangements to be made. Yeah. So we like, she was due right before Easter. And I can't remember specifically if she was due like on Friday or Saturday, like before Easter or something like that. And her, I'm like making these, okay. If she doesn't, if she's not, doesn't go into labor before this, we're going to leave on this day, you know, and there's always that risk. Cause you're like, you know, we both work and like taking time off, but like, and then it was like, well, do we leave? And what if she's a week overdue? And then we're there for a week, you know, and we could have been 
home, whatever. But her mom, her birth mom wanted us there. And we were like, whatever, we're going to do whatever it takes to be there. Um, because she wanted us in the delivery room. So we were like, okay. So it was like a Wednesday morning and, um, I had like a special like ringtone on my phone if she were ever to call me. And it was like 5 a.m. And Jordan was showering and I was like laying in bed, like trying to get myself up and my phone rang the ringtone. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) that's the baby alarm. (laughs) Yes. And they were actually like two hours behind us. So it was like 3 a.m. there. And so I was like, oh, she's calling me at 3 a.m. Like, this is serious. And she's like, you know, my water broke. We're going to head to the hospital, but like, I just want to let you guys know. And since our bags were packed and everything, we just like, you know, I opened the bathroom door and I told Jordan, I was like, it's baby time. Like, and he was like, what? And so he like got his computer out and had to like book us flights really fast. I mean, everything, it like seemed like it was like, from a movie, like at that point. So we get these flights and luckily we have an airport here. I couldn't have been more thankful. We literally get to the airport in like 40 minutes, get on this plane. We had a connecting flight. And then when we got there, we checked a bag and we didn't want to wait for baggage because she was like, I, I called her and I was like, Hey, we're here. And she's like, things have really progressed fast. Like I think I'm going to start pushing soon. And I'm like, oh my God, you know? And luckily the hospital was again, close to the airport. So we didn't have to like worry too much, but I, we left our bag. (laughs) I, I asked, I told the lady, I was like, you know, we're leaving this bag. If you can keep it in this office for us, I'd appreciate it. But if not, like, I don't really care what happens to it. And she was so sweet. She was like, cause we kind of briefly explained what was happening. And she was like, you better go. Like, <laughs> and so we got there and got there in time to, you know, be able to talk to her and talk to her family. Like, cause we had never, we had never really like met face to face besides, you know, FaceTime. And that's just different. And I don't know, what do you say? <laughs> like when you walk into a room and, you know, a woman is having your child. Like it's, uh, I don't know. It's a moment I'll never forget. And so, yeah, it was insane and crazy. Um, and then she was born so fast, like a couple pushes and she was out and we both thought not Jordan and I, but her birth mom and I, we thought for sure she was going to be a boy. Um, so we were in total shock that she was a girl. And yeah, it's just, it was the craziest day. Describe for me laying eyes on Collins for the first time. Oh man. You know, I think a lot of people always wonder, like people know, like you have a kid, you have that like immediate, like unconditional love. Like, does that happen in adoption? Like, yes, it does. Like, I don't know how do you describe love at first sight? You know? So it was amazing. Oh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) No, I just think, I just think I would be in, in, and you wrote about it so beautifully on Instagram. You you're just so in awe of this woman's strength. Oh God. Yeah. The whole way through. 
she's just like such a beautiful person. And I, I'm not just saying that to say that, like, I would not, I would not lie to people if that's not really how I felt, Yeah. but she truly like, I mean, I can just like text her right now and we're just friends. Like she, and she just is so genuinely nice and like cares and like, will send us like happy mother's day and father's day. Like you guys are the best parents to Collins. Like, and there is no compliment that can be better than that. Nothing. What could be? No, literally nothing. She's born, you know, you're holding your daughter and what, like, what happens next? What is the, what are those next hours and days yeah. like? I mean, she, cause she, you know, can't go home right away. Right. Um, and like, and, yeah. What, what is the yeah. transition like? This is different for every adoption and every hospital really. So when we were um, at the hospital, it was labor and delivery. Everything was like completely full. And so some hospitals, if they have the availability, they'll get a separate room for the adoptive parents. And if it's something that, you know, the birth mother at this point is okay with, then like you can be with the baby in a room and she can be in her own room. Well, that wasn't the case for us. Like the social workers had done a great job being in contact with the hospital and they were like, they knew about this plan. Um, and so it was not a surprise, like everything was laid out. So that was really good, but they were just full. So it couldn't happen. So in that case, like, you know, the baby has to stay, like she had to stay with, you know, her birth mom. And so how it worked, like, again, like this is just a testament to like how wonderful her birth mom is, is that she and I, stayed in a room together with Collins that night. And again, like it was a night, like mom to mom, we got to talk. I got to know her on a different level. She got to know me on a different level and we just, you know, loved our baby that night. And so it was just, neither one of us like slept. We just were like, is she she okay? And so, I mean, I don't think many people probably do that where they get to stay in a room with their child's, you know, birth mom, but we had a really great night. And like, we all, we still talk about that, how like, you know, would we have both like wanted to do that ahead of time? Probably not our first choice, but it ended up being like wonderful. So, and then her birth mom was discharged that next day but Collins had like a high bilirubin level. So she had to stay. And since they didn't have the room, then she had to go to the nursery. So then it was just Jordan and I pretty much bothering the nursery people and like staying in there the entire time. They, you only had to be out of the nursery from like seven to 8 AM and seven to 8 PM when they did like a shift change. And so otherwise they literally like pulled a recliner in for us and they were just like, yeah, you guys can like hang out here. And so they were really wonderful to us. And then we finally got to go home, which was really nice, but. So it's not really, it wasn't really goodbye. No. And it wasn't, but it was, but it was was goodbye to this moment, you know, together in the hospital and the end of her pregnancy and, and describe how that took place. Yeah, that was actually, so with adoption, there's this process called ICPC and it's like inner compact placement, something. I don't know what it stands for anymore. 
you know? Um, so basically what happens is like the state of Iowa which is where we are, has to communicate with the state that the child is born in and just basically say like, okay, this child is now a resident of this state, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But all of this can't start until after, um, like the birth mom signs over her termination of parental rights. And every state is different. Like some states, once they sign, it's irrevocable. Some states like for in our case, like she had to wait 72 hours. And then once she signed, it was irrevocable. So even though we took Collins home from the hospital, it still wasn't a done deal. Okay. And we knew that she could still have changed, you know, her mind at any point in time there. But then like, after that happens, then the whole state thing has to happen. And there's only one person who does it in the state of Iowa. So you never know how long it's going to take. Wow. So we were actually there after she was born for 10 days. And so we didn't go home until she was 10 days old. And so we actually, the Airbnb that we booked was like a couple miles um, from where she was. And so it was really nice. Um, we actually like spent Easter like day with them because we were just there and like by ourselves. And so they invited us over and we spent the day with them on Easter. And then we went over there several other times just because like, they were like, you want to come over and hang out? And we're like, sure. You know, we didn't have anything else to do. And at this point we were just, you know, staying inside with a tiny baby. And so it was really nice to be able to like, continue to like build our relationship for them to continue to like see Collins and like love her. Um, so that was, that was really nice. So goodbye wasn't until like, it was like an actual, like we're going home. I see. I, I just, just hearing this story, it's like, this is gotta be the best, best, best case scenario of how this can go down. Yes, it's it just, really is. That sounds perfect. Yeah, I know. And that's what, you know, Jordan and I talk about often is that like, we, we got like a best case scenario. We couldn't have hoped for anything better. And so we feel so lucky. I feel so happy for Collins too, because she has such a wonderful birth family who like loves her and cares about her. And so it's never gonna, I mean, I I can't say that because I don't know how she'll feel as she grows up, you know, but she'll, she'll always be loved and she'll always have answers. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes when you have answers, then you don't need to go looking for answers too, you know? Yeah. So, well, it's exactly what you wanted. You wanted to feel proud about every step of the process. And that's exactly what you got. Exactly. And so we would, it's so hard to say, especially in adoption, people don't like to use the phrase, everything happens for a reason, because a lot of people will say that, like, that's like saying something negative towards an expectant mother or a birth mother or anything like that. But Colin's birth mother has used that phrase like throughout like the, so we use it in our situation together. And, you know, we've talked about how, if we didn't have that first disruption, like, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And so looking back, you can kind of say, okay, you know what, this is where we're meant to be right now, whether everything happens for a reason, or this is just where we're meant to be, we're where we're meant to be. 
Does it put pressure on you though, trying to recreate this situation again? And I know that you'd be willing to go with the flow, but like after having such a perfect experience. I think the only thing that worries us is that potentially someday if we do, you know, have another child that like Colin's birth family would have different interactions than this other child's like, so then there would be a comparison. And I know that nothing can be the same. Um, and we'll, we would obviously, you know, make the best of it, but you just want your kids to be happy and loved and, you know, so more for, you know, their sake than anything. Sure. Cause how do you well, explain that? Like, Oh, she has this and you have that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Cause you know, on some, on some level, it's almost like, you know, when one person's parents are more active grandparents than others, you right. know, exactly. but, but that's still Anything not the same, like you know, or even parents involvement, right? Like yeah. your mom does this, but your, your dad only does this <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So something else you're doing this time around that's different is you're not going through an agency. You're doing it privately. Correct. How did you come to that decision? It was a, it was a hard decision, but we thought about it a lot. And obviously we are much more experienced this time around through our agency. We were connected with a social worker. So we still have our same social worker um, who's in Iowa. We were connected with a lawyer and we still have our lawyer who's in Iowa. Um, And so we knew that these two people are like integral parts of it. The agency is wonderful. And if like, we are not afraid to do it again, if we have to, but part of it was trying to, um, I'm working less now. Um, we have Collins, like obviously cost of a child saving for college, like all of that. And some choices like have to be made, you know, where do you allocate your funds? And so before, right. We had been married for several years two full-time physical therapists, like with the help of family, like we were able to afford this, but it's definitely much more costly to go through an agency Yeah, um, because there's a lot of upfront fees, even before you have like your match fees. And so we thought, well, gosh, if we could do this on our own, then potentially we, you know, we could save money And it's not, I I hate to talk about in a monetary way, but you know, part it's part true, you know, like it's it's something that comes up when people talk about adoption and the same way it comes up when people talk about IVF is it's like, there are financial barriers to both of those. Exactly. Exactly. For us, we were just kind of like, well, let's just try this way and then we'll see what happens. And if after a certain, and we didn't set like a time frame. like after so much time, we'll go with an agency or whatever. We just thought when we feel like we're ready to do it, we'll make that change. And so right now taking this route means that you just have to put yourselves out there and put your story out there and um, <laughs> hope that the right situation finds you. Yeah. And that's much easier said than done. Yes. (laughs) I wasn't like before this, like I didn't have a Instagram or like social media at all. And so it's a challenge. Like this stuff is so like private and like, not like private in the sense that if someone was taught, like you and I talking about this, I wouldn't share, but like for the world, 
you know, that's sometimes a little bit of a different story. And then you just open yourself up to criticism too. And I'm sure people, influencers who have bajillion followers, they probably, you know, say there's always going to be haters. <laughs> um, but it's hard. Like I said, when it's something that you are so unbelievably proud of that someone could just be like, you're the worst person ever because you chose adoption. She's better off with her birth mother, you know? And it's kind of like, you don't, you don't actually hear that. Do you? Oh yeah. What? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. And it's funny because like, it goes through like different flows. Like sometimes you'll get a ton of mean messages and then like people leave you alone for a while and you're like, okay, I'm safe. Yeah. (laughs) That what a well, I shouldn't act like I'm surprised. I mean, the the with anything, that right? I, yeah, like, anything I, that yeah. you can have an opinion on. You're if you think something's great, there's always going to be somebody else who thinks it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, and so you know, I try to let it roll off my back, but it's hard because some of these comments, actually, most of them come from birth parents or like adoptees, and so I try to do my best to like on social media, like follow other like birth mothers or follow other like adoptees. So I can like, so I can hear their stories and learn from them. Um, because obviously like, this is my first time being a mom and like my motherhood looks different from somebody else's motherhood. And so even though some parenting is all the same, some of the choices and things that I do as Collins gets older, you know, she came from a different place than, you know, someone else might have. And so, you know, you want to learn about, well, what do you do when this happens or what is the best thing to say? Or, you know, can I do something that's, you know, supportive to her rather, if I say this, is this not supportive? And so I think that's the hardest is when those negative comments come from people who are in the adoption community and have had probably a really bad experience themselves. That kind of hurts because it's not just like a random Joe saying, oh, adoption is stupid. And you're like, oh, you don't know anything about it. So fine. But like, you know, you've gone through it, like you've lived it. So, and it makes me sad too, because, you know, you just want everyone to have a good experience and have the same experience that you do ultimately, but you know, that doesn't happen. Right. Right. So, you know, part of, of, and you had to do it a little bit with the agency as well, is you ultimately have to portray yourselves as somewhat perfect. You know what I mean? We are the perfect parents for your child and we have the perfect relationship and we live in the perfect home. That's not too big and not too small and not too close to the city. And it's safe. And like, that just seems like a lot of pressure, especially on the days that your husband pisses you off and you're like, you know what? We're not the perfect couple. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, that's kind of like the phony, like kind of (laughs) stupid part of adoption. Like, and I, I hate to say it this way, but it's like the marketing part, you know, you do kind of have to market yourselves. But I think that like, if you look at our pictures and read our video, I try not to have us be something that we're not. Maybe I say them a little bit more eloquently than I would if we were just having like a conversation, but you know, I try not to use like crazy big words. Cause like, I wouldn't normally do that. Or I don't know, someone who sees that is going to, if they resonate with you, they're going to reach out to you. And if they don't, then they won't. And that's just, you know, 
that's, I mean, ultimately you want someone who wants you, you know, you don't want to appeal to someone or be someone that you're not because then your relationship is just starting off on a lie. And I mean, this is one of the most important relationships that you can have. Yeah. Trust is huge. Do you watch the show friends or did you watch it like 20 years ago? <laughs> I, I, I have watched it before I was little when it was, <laughs> no, that's okay. There. So I know about adoption from two television shows, one being friends and the other being teen mom. <laughs> okay. And so there's a storyline in friends where Monica and Chandler are trying to adopt and like a, a woman picked them, but, uh-huh. but the story was that their paperwork got messed up and she thought they were a doctor and a reverend and they're actually like a chef and like businessman. Um, so there was a whole thing about like, we've got to tell her who we really are. She thinks we're a doctor and a reverend. And I don't know. So, and ultimately that was the thing. It was like, we can't go into this relationship with Anna Ferris and have yeah. her think that, you know, that we're a doctor and a reverend, but, but yeah, so like, there are probably a lot of people out there like me who only know about adoption from friends and from teen mom. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I wouldn't until we were in this situation, like I wouldn't have either, yeah. neither of our families, you know, Did I think both of your families like receive this well, or like, were, was there some like talking that needed to take place for your families to feel comfortable with it too? No, our, both of our families were and have always been very supportive. And so luckily we did not have any issues there. Um, the only thing that like will come up from time to time is just like positive, like adoption language. And that's the case with like pretty much everyone who talks about adoption, who doesn't know. And at first it really used to like fire me up because it was like so important to me that it would just kind of tick me off. But then, you know, you realize like, people genuinely don't mean you harm and especially like your family and close friends. And so they just don't know, they don't know that like, you know, before you're, before a baby is born, like technically it's an expectant mom, you know, she's not a birth mom until after she gives birth and decides to place, you know, and that's the other thing, like using the term like place for adoption versus like give up. Yeah. And so there are a lot of like things like that, or things that you just hear people say, and you're like, Oh, it's so cringy, you know, but they just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any more specifically off the top of your head that, that matter off the top of my head? I'm not like a person who'd be like, Oh, this, 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 and this, I'm not that picky, but it's kind of like when you hear it, you're like, Oh, that wasn't like, or just the way that they talk about things, you know, is just not sensitive. Or sometimes people will ask us things like, in front of Collins and she's two and she knows everything now and she understands so much. So you can't have a conversation just like in front of her now, you know, or people say like, Oh, we actually recently took a trip. Um, and on our trip, we actually got to visit with her birth family. And so our family or people who knew that we were going would sometimes be like, are you afraid that she's going to want her back? And it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff that you're just like, okay, you don't even get it. Like <laughs> it would be one thing like to come across it. And then I'd be like, okay, but it's, it's hard to correct people. Like, 
in the in the moment. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not a good at being like, yeah, you shouldn't say that. And neither is Jordan. So sometimes we just let them roll. Right, right. Oh, going back to the whole like image of putting yourself out there and yeah. you know, trying to, you know, market yourselves and whatever. The thing that I think you do well is, is that you're authentic about it in good and bad ways. You know, in particular, I wrote down, um, you had a particular passage that was like, you know, adoption's not a fairy tale. And that at the end of the day, the ideal world would have no adoption because yeah. adoption is built on brokenness, you wrote. And I thought mm-hmm. like, what a beautiful way to phrase it, because like you're, you are acknowledging that there's, there's sadness in adoption, there's pain in adoption, and hopefully like a lot of beauty can come from it. But there's a lot of brokenness there. Mm-hmm. I think that's just like, for anyone who's hoping to adopt or considering adoption, I think education is the most important thing because like, even though those are my words, I learned that from many other people, you know what I mean? And then until you live it, then you really understand what that means. Like I said, when you're being handed your baby by another mother, then you understand that brokenness, you know? And yeah, I mean, that's why I don't know. I think education is probably the most important part of that. And, and, and really being realistic with yourself and knowing that, you know, although adoption is amazing, it, it built our family. It's not always amazing for everyone. And so you can't be naive to that fact either, because there are people who have had, you know, bad experiences. Can I ask a question that maybe will sound like a weird one? Yeah, go ahead. I'm curious, like one day, Colin's birth mother might decide to have a child and might decide to parent that child. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, is like, are, do you have any worries about that or about how Colin's might feel about that one day? Or I don't know, are there, yeah, so- are there hypotheticals like that, that like float around in your head about things that you may or may not have to deal with? Or I don't know, was that one so- of like a weird people questions? <laughs> No. So (laughs) she does have a child now. Okay. Okay. um, Within this last year. Okay. And so we got to meet this child um, recently and it was like very special to see. Well, Collins is like a typical like toddler girl, like loves babies, like has a bazillion babies at home. And she's just like, love this baby. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about that much. The thing that I had thought about and that Jordan and I had talked about is what if in the future her birth mom wanted to get pregnant, but couldn't. And I was worried about that more is that like, what if she couldn't build her family? And like, what if this was, you know, her Collins was her, like, that was it. And so I was more fearful that she would not be able to like have you know, genetically, biologically, her own children, but she did. I'm so happy for her. And so, yeah. So, yeah, I I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't really worried about it, I guess, like thinking someday, but the circumstances behind these situations are so different. And I think it's something that like, you know, as Collins grows up, she will, she wouldn't have a, in a trouble understanding that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that maybe you could probably question it at some point. And I could see how 
if I was in her shoes that maybe you're wondering, but two completely different situations. So no, that's so interesting. What an interesting development, because it's just like, in some ways, it's just expanding your family in, in other ways too. And it just, it's all just more people who love Collins. Exactly. And that's like, that is my biggest thing is that after we just had recently seen her birth family, I, my sisters had asked me like, are you feeling like nervous or, you know, how are you feeling about that? And I was like, no, I'm not feeling nervous at all. And I left feeling like I had, you know, missed my family and I had seen them and and really they are my family, but not biologically my family. There was a huge part of me that was just fulfilled after that. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. Like, you know, out of all of this, we get a new family and people that we get to love and see and more people that Collins loves. And, you know, I think, I don't know. I think it's just special. Yeah, it is really special. And it was probably special to even just like talk to her about, you know, having another baby and having and holding the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was just like to be able to hold the baby and like, you know, have her tell me about everything. And, you know, she'll, we'll ask questions like, Oh, what do you think about this product? Or what do you think about this? And just like, you know, we're just, I feel like we're sisters or cousins or something that we just don't see each other a lot, but when we see each other, we just automatically pick up and just like finish each other's sentences and laugh. And yeah, we just, you know, had the best time. So it was great. Wow. I was like, this was, I think this was better for me than it was for Collins. (laughs) Um, Is it appropriate for me to ask, like, have you gotten any contacts related to your, your recent search? So there gosh, over this like last year, there have been like people on and off through either like Facebook or Instagram who have messaged me. Sometimes it's people directly like who are expecting, who are considering adoption. Um, Sometimes it's people who say like, Hey, I know somebody who's considering adoption. Like, can I pass along your information? Um, And they might be people that you knew from like grade school. And they're like, Hey, like, do you remember me? You know, I've just like following and I just wanted to know. And then like, sometimes you just never hear anything else. And so, um, yeah, we just like are always waiting. And then there's a lot of scammers out there for people who like to do this on their own. So you got to watch out for that. That was a big thing at first. We haven't had any scammers in a really long time. I think it's because I was just like, yeah, block block. You can pick them out pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. I'm sure we've all seen like the datelines that are like, you know, the, it's weird because these people who are like trying to scam you aren't trying to scam you for money. They're trying to scam you emotionally. So it's really like interesting. They have, like they get off on that in some way. Yeah. So I remember like our first, we had like a, a ton of them in a row. And so you go into it again, like keeping yourselves at a distance. And it's always, um, people who are due like a super long time. Like they're just a month pregnant, you know, or like two months pregnant and, oh, they're having twins. That's really common, you know, or, you know, something like that. And 
they want to talk to you all the time that you'll message them back and they message you like 20 times before you message them one time. And they're like, oh, I guess you don't want to talk to me anymore. Like, is this not important to you? And you're like, okay, what real person would say that? Right. Ah, they're like those like love bombers, you know, like who like want to like make like different women think they're yeah. Yeah. Ew. It is. It's just like, and so finally, like, I would just be like, I know you're not being true. Like, just please stop messaging me block. And then most people are just like, they just leave you alone. It's one of those weird things that you, you probably never thought about going into it because you like come from such a pure place. Like you would never scam someone because (laughs) like, Oh, I'm just going to talk to you for ever and like get you to think that I am having a baby, but I'm not. (laughs) Right. Right. Like who does that? the only thing you probably think about, you know, while you're waiting and blocking random losers (laughs) is like the way it happened with Collins was it happened one day and then it, you know, everything changed from that day forward. You know, it just, it happened one day. Exactly. Sometimes I'll get impatient, like just because that's sometimes just who I am more than like who my husband is. And he'll just like, say like, we waited for the best and we got the best. And he's like, and so sometimes he can just say something like that. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to be patient. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when the right thing comes along, it, it'll, it'll be there. And if you end up, you know, getting back on the agency route, like you guys will take it one step at a time. Exactly. And that's what I said. Like, you know, ultimately like every decision that you make in your life is for a reason. And so, you know, if we decide to go that route, then we go that route and who knows what's going to happen. Okay. So I have a two-year-old, so I know there's not really any explaining to two-year-olds, but like, so Callan's like not really aware and doesn't really need to be at this exact moment. I mean, they don't, they don't know what the heck's going on. Yes. (laughs) She, she has no idea. Like she doesn't even she knows in the fact, like we're very open about like her adoption. Like we talk, we have, they have so many like adoption specific, like children's books. And although she can't relate herself to the book yet, you know, I think introducing that stuff early Sure. and you know, when we saw her birth mom, like, you know, we always talk about like you were in her tummy and like all this stuff. And, and she knows, like, if you ask her, like, whose tummy were you in? She'll say, and so she understands to some extent, or she can memorize, <laughs> you know, those facts, but otherwise, yeah, she has no idea. Yeah. One day she'll have a sibling, Yeah, you know, yeah. and that'll be it unless she's older and then we'll understand, you know? Right. Of course. So this is one thing, uh, and maybe this is how we can kind of wrap things up. You do a little affirmation with Collins. Yeah. I think it's so sweet. And I feel like I need this affirmation for myself. Yeah. So I always say Collins, you are, and she says strong and smart and kind and beautiful and good, except for now she can say it all on her own. And so before she goes to bed and she says it, you're strong, you're smart, you're kind, you're beautiful. You're, I love you. (laughs) She literally says it so fast. Like, okay, mom, I'm done with this. So I told Jordan the other day, I said, I need to change those words up. (laughs) Get her going. Yes, because she just will literally, I almost took a video of her doing it the other day because she just like rapid fires them off now. (laughs) 
but yes, I think it's so important that kids know all those things and so much more. Yeah, so much more. But those, I mean, you're you're really hitting on all of them. And especially for a girl to know she is strong and she is smart. Yes, that's why I started with those. I'm one of three girls, so I only know girls and girl power is, it means a lot to me. Is there anything else that you want to say to anyone who might be listening to this? You know, someone considering um, adoption to expand their family, a potential you know, an expectant mom and anything that I forgot to ask about? I think the thing that I would say is that it's so hard to wait. And I know because I was there and people will tell you, um, you know, it will happen. It will happen. And it's really hard to hear that from people, but just keep going you know, and reach out for help if you need it and ask questions and learn and educate yourself, but just keep going, you know, because you can't get anywhere if you stop. Well, I wish you guys the best. And I hope you have another beautiful experience the way that you have with Collins and her family. Yeah. Thank you so much. We hope so too. I appreciate you so much for, for sharing all of this and being so honest and letting me ask stupid questions. No, that's okay. You're, this is helpful for us too. You know, it helps spread the word and get things out there. And I'm so hopeful for you guys. And I I think you are as perfect as you, as you say that you are. Oh God, I'm not, I'm not. (laughs) That's impossible, but I think it's probably true. Thanks so much, Denise. So here's hoping there will be an update coming soon about Alyssa and Jordan's journey. And again, if you can follow along, if you want to follow along with the podcast or with Alyssa, check out at On A Mother Level. I will be tagging her and you can connect with her there. That's all on Instagram plus preview clips, um, what I've been up to, what my kids have been up to. And as always, share this episode with a friend who might want to hear it. I appreciate that so much. Your word of mouth, your referrals, and your kindness goes farther than you can ever imagine for just a gal, a microphone, and a podcast, and I appreciate it all so very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of On a Mother Level. When it comes to parenthood, we can relate.